woman of God. Amen. She's hung in there 53 years. Hallelujah. <laughs> She's a real woman of God. You know, one day my wife told me something, and uh, it's kind of a little rebuke. And, and I said, uh, look, Jeanette, your name is not Jeanette Holy Ghost Marquise. It's Jeanette Susan Marquise. She said, yeah, but when you don't listen to the Holy Ghost, he tells me to tell you again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody needs somebody to keep you in check. Amen. And a good friend, the wounds of a friend are wonderful. If the person really loves you and corrects you, you need to learn to receive that. Amen. And if you're married to a person, just get ready because they're going to correct you. No. Yeah. They're going to do that. You know why? Because they know everything about you. And they're not going to let you, if they really love you, they're not going to let you go do stupid stuff without saying something. Amen. And that's what we do for the churches. We oversee the churches to be able to help them through times of difficulty. And it's because we love each other. Amen. If you really love somebody, you're going to tell them the truth in love. You're not going to beat them to death with the truth, but you're going to tell them the truth in love. Well, anyway, all the song services confirm my, my, uh, my message this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 3, verse 15, 16, and 17, and then we're going to go into Luke, uh, then 21, 22, and then we're going to go to Luke 4, 1. Hallelujah. Brother Carl and I got ordained at the same time, in the same room. we both Italians. Hallelujah. And, uh, so that means we're okay, you know. And uh, we, uh, we've been friends a long, long time. And one day he had me come to his church, and we was, I was preaching a revival, and the power of God fell. And he got slain under the Spirit. And then the Spirit knocked me down. I was on top of him, crossing. And we kind of like got bounded, binded by the Holy Ghost then. It's been really strong ever since. So Luke chapter 3, verse 15. And as the people were in expectation, and all men amused, amused them their hearts of John, whether he was the Christ or not. So here comes John the Baptist out of the wilderness. They hadn't had a voice from God for 400 years. Not a word from God. He was silent for 400 years. He got a little upset with the people on the earth because they didn't listen to him. If God's talking to you, listen. And obey, and he'll keep talking. But if you ignore God, he just gets more and more silent. Amen. And he lets you deal with yourself. And the Bible says that God left them in the wilderness to see what was in them. So you're going to go through dry, difficult times in your personal walk when you don't seemingly hear from the voice of God. He's trying to see what's really inside of you. Are you still going to worship? Are you still going to praise him? Are you still going to do what he told you to do? very important to know that God is still there. Amen. He's just not talking to you. Some of y'all in that place right now. He said, and John answered and said unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. And he latches of his shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then he says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. And he will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn up with the fire unquenchable. So Jesus said, 
is coming to what? Purge you. He's coming to test you. He's coming to try your heart to see what's in there. And when Jesus comes and fills you with the Holy Ghost and fire, it starts burning away all of the junk that you've accumulated in your life for years and years and years. That's why when a person first gets saved, it's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, oh, every time a preacher preaches, oh, my God. I did, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I repent. I repent. What's that? The fire of the Holy Ghost in you trying to clean you up from all of your wrong thinking, all of your wrong priorities. And when I first got saved for one year, I cried every time I went to church. Every time the pastor opened his mouth, he was talking right at me, and it was dealing with something in me that I didn't realize that was still there. How many of y'all need a house cleaning? Oh, Lord, turn up the fire. Just pray, Lord, turn up the fire. I want more of you and less of me. And that fire consumes the chaff, the stuff that should not be in your personal life. And it's wonderful to get rid of it. Amen? It's wonderful when God starts dealing with the internal part of your life that nobody else sees. God dealt with me in secret about me. God's never dealing with you about somebody else. He's always dealing with you about you. And if you will understand that, then you will let the process take place in you. And when God shows you something, you feed it to the fire. You don't hold on to it. You get rid of it. Amen? You get handed to him. That's what keeps the fire burning. When you keep feeding it with the things in your life that are dry and barren, when there's nothing being produced in your life or area of your life, there's something wrong with that. Because where God's spirit is, there's a fruitfulness. There's a blessing. There's prosperity. There's all kind of wonderful things where he's flowing. But if there's a dry place in your life, it needs to be pruned and put into the fire. And somebody say, yes, Lord, burn me up. Burn me up. I don't want me no more. Amen. Aren't you tired of you? It ain't ain't the person you're living with, chat. Go to the mirror. You'll find your problem. There's things in you that need to change, and God's going to put the heat up to change you. And it's wonderful, hallelujah, as long as you're cooperating with God. And then he says this in verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized. So Jesus followed the righteousness, and he was baptized. So do you think if you got born again, you need to be baptized? Everybody shake your head like this, Lord. If you're not going to talk, just move your head. I can hear it rather. <laughs> if Jesus was baptized, then we ought to be baptized also, right? So as soon as you repent and come to Christ, the next thing you need to do is get baptized and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And watch this. And praying. He was not only baptized, but he was praying. And heaven was open. What a scene. Here's John. Everybody's thinking he's Jesus. No, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I'm John. I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm just preparing a way for him that's coming. His shoes, I'm not even worthy to unlatch. But when he comes, he's going to baptize you, not with water, but with a holy fire. And so Jesus is there being baptized of John, and the Bible says, and the Holy Ghost descended, came from heaven, and came upon Christ. 
in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Woo! What a vindication of Jesus and what an acknowledgement John was not the Christ. Don't look to a man. Look to Christ. Amen. Every man who has Christ in him is a wonderful thing, but he's still a man. He still gets up in the morning, puts his britches on, and he still does all the bad things people do, and they make mistakes, and they have wrong attitudes and facial expressions. Hey, look through the man and see the Christ, because that's what, that's what he looks at when he sees you. When God looks at you, he sees the Christ in you. That's the only thing that makes you acceptable to the Father. Nothing else in you is acceptable except the Christ in you who has died for you and poured out his blood for you and has covered you with his blessings and his grace. That's what makes us acceptable to the Father. So once you look at somebody else, you say, oh, oh yeah, that's a man, but he's got Christ in him. We've been married 53 years. 53. Not all of them were happy. We got married at 19, at 24 we got saved. Amen. And after that, it took a little process. Everybody say process. process. Are y'all still in the process? Huh? Come on, you still in the process? And it took a process of us to overcome our bad things that we did prior to salvation. And the process of God was constantly dealing with us. And so I didn't trust my wife. She didn't trust me. But we trusted the Christ in us. We knew something happened to the other person. We knew that Jesus came in and I could put my, my faith and my weight upon him and trust him to keep working inside of both of us. Amen. I needed a lot of work. She needed a lot of work, but we had a commitment to Christ. So if you are married and you have Christ in you, hey, understand only good thing about you is Jesus. You take him out, you're a junkyard dog. Somebody, somebody knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you take Christ out of me, you won't like me. I won't like me. She won't like me. My kids won't like me. They will not like me. Brother Carl will not like me. The only good thing in me is Jesus. And I cling to, trust in, and rely upon him because he's the only good thing I know. Amen. And the Bible said Jesus put no confidence in the flesh or in man. Why? Because he knew what was inside of man. Jesus didn't trust nobody. I don't trust nobody. I don't trust me. How many times have you disappointed yourself? Come on now, be honest. Yeah, you, you, you made a commitment and it didn't happen. You said, I wasn't going to do this again. You did it again. I'm going to pray more and you didn't pray more. I'm going to fast, but you didn't fast. I'm going to go to church, but that day I was lazy. You know, come on. So if you can't trust you, don't trust anybody's flesh. Trust the Christ. Because he can do something inside of a person that only he can do. Nobody is capable of changing a human being except Jesus Christ. You can't change anyone. Only Christ can change them. Amen. So put your faith in the Holy Ghost. Just like God put the Holy Ghost in Jesus. 
And he told him, watch this, the next verse. And Jesus in verse 4, chapter, I mean chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, do you think the Holy Ghost would ever lead you to go be tempted? If he did it to Jesus, he'll do it to you. But the Holy Spirit never leads you to be defeated. He leads you to be tempted to defeat your enemy. You must face your giant, folks. I don't know what the giant is in your life, but he's standing on your promises. He's standing on your blessings. The, the very thing that kept you in captivity, that kept you in bondage, the very thing that has intimidated you, and told you God was not who he is. That thing needs to be conquered. And so when I first got born again, the Lord led me straight back to the same drug party I was in the night before. To sit in the same group, to hand the same drugs and pass them on and stand up and preach Jesus. I preached Jesus that night and been free ever since. Why? Because I faced my giant. Drugs was a giant in my life. Amen. For four years it took me captive. But then in one day, one minute, one moment, God saved me, filled me, called me to preach. And when I confronted my giant, he'd never come back. What's your giant? Is it anger? Is it rejection? Is it intimidation? Is it all the mistakes you ever made that you don't think God can use you? What is your giant? Is it alcohol? Is it divorce? Is it sex? Is it gambling? What, what is it? Face it. Quit running from it. And David ran to Goliath. And he said, hey, you're telling me my God can't do this. And I'm telling you, I'm going to take your head off today. And when you begin to believe the God in you is greater than your giant, you don't have a giant. You got a great God. Amen. So we have to conquer those things in our life by obedience to the Holy Spirit. And when God sends us to be tempted, like Jesus was tempted, he went into the wilderness, the Bible said, being 40 days tempted of the devil. That word tempted means tested. Amen. There's a test that we all go through. God is constantly putting you in a test. He told Abraham, now I know that thou art a man that fears God and would not withhold thy only son. Now I can put my weight on you. Now I can make my covenant with you. Now I can make you the father of faith. That was a great test. They meant to bring his son, the crucified, to, to sacrifice his son. What a test. God wasn't testing him with evil. God was testing him to prove him that he could cause the weight of the covenant to be placed on a man in his generation. Now God wants to set you free, but sometimes you have to go through a test. Amen? To see if you are free. Well, I'll never drink again. Well, you'll never know until one's put in your hand. <laughs> I'm never going to get angry again. I'll just get married. <laughs> and if that don't work, get a few kids. And if that don't work, get a few grandkids. It, you know, you'll be tested in this area, I guarantee you. Why? Because... You have to go through the pressure of the temptation in order to prove you're faithful. Amen? He told Abraham, now 
I know. God said that. Now I know. I didn't know before. Now I know I can put my weight of my covenant on you because you have proven yourself to me that you love me more than your son. What a sacrifice. What a test. I've never been tested to that degree, thank God. Oh, I wanted to kill my son. <laughs> but God didn't tell me to do it. <laughs> I'd have just been sonless, that's all. I'd have had no more covenant, no more pressure. You know, I just I'd have had two dead sons. You know? But the reality is this. The devil wants you to disobey God. And you don't know if you will obey God until God puts you in a position by the Holy Ghost, only by the Holy Ghost. A lot of us go through temptations that we create for ourselves by disobedience. But when the Holy Spirit leads you into temptation, it's always to be victorious. Always to be victorious. And listen what he says. He says, and being 40 days tempted of the devil, in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Here's the three temptations. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. There is no other temptations. That's the three. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All temptations come through those three avenues. And so he tells Jesus, he said, oh, if you be the son of God, turn those stones into bread. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. Turn him into bread. That was a temptation because he was very hungry. The Bible says he was. And he said, listen, the Bible says, the only weapon you got is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what we live by. You want to be a Christian? Live by what the word says and not by what you feel, not by what you think, not by what somebody else tells you, but by the word of God. So then he takes Jesus and he brings him onto a high mountain. And he said, look, the Bible said, cast yourself down. He'll give his angels charge over you. And Jesus said, look, the Bible says, the word says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. See, the devil can't kill you. He cannot. He's got to get your permission. He tried to get Jesus to kill himself. You can't, he can't kill you. He doesn't have the keys of death and a grave. Jesus has those. But he can get you to do something stupid to get you in a position to be killed. But it's going to be by your choice, not by his choice. Now he will tell you, oh, go do this. You know, like jump out of a plane. With a parachute somebody else packed. <laughs> who's demon possessed. <laughs> Who wants you to pull the ripcord and go, oh my God, what happened to my parachute? God, did, the devil didn't kill you, stupid. You jumped out the plane. You put your trust in flesh, right? The Bible says he, Jesus never did that. Bungee cords. We're going to go bungee jumping. Uh, you, you, you didn't measure that cord? It's eight inches longer than your jump. Who are you trusting? You're trusting in some fool who's making money off of you jumping from a cliff? How, 
many times do you put your faith in people, but you don't put your faith in God? God will tell you something, you won't do it. People will tell you something, you're going to do it. What's wrong with that picture? Amen. It's called stupid. <laughs> now, I didn't call you stupid. I just said if you're listening to people and not God, you're stupid. <laughs> now, Jesus begins his ministry after this great temptation. He comes out of the wilderness totally victorious over everything the devil tempted him with. The devil last temptation was he brings him up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. I mean, that's pretty big stuff. And he said, if you will worship me, I will give you all this. So evidently the power of Satan was to give wealth if you just make a covenant with him. But that's not true riches, that's just wealth. How many wealthy people you know today that are caught up and who have signed their souls over to the devil? People like Bill Gates, people like these other, these powerful people in the world who are now trying to get everybody to do what they want them to do so they can be God. Don't listen to people with money. They got a power thing up here. It's not wrong to be wealthy, but it's wrong to be wealthy and not have God. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. And these people who love money and power would do anything that's evil to get more love and more power of the love of money. I'm not listening to people who are rich. They, they do not impress me. I'm looking to people who have humble spirits, who are broken and contrite before the Lord. Show me a life that's broken. Show me a life that is submitted to Christ, and I'll trust that life in them. But I'm not trusting them. I'm trusting the Christ I see in them. Amen? And I believe the same Jesus that lives in me that deals with them will deal with them if they do me something wrong. I don't take none of this personal. Amen? If I would judge by your faces, I would quit preaching and go home right now. Because <laughs> the devil's going to make me think, oh, he, they don't like you. I don't care if you like me. It doesn't bother me. I'm loved by Jesus. So y'all hear me? I'm loved by Jesus. Amen. I don't, I don't need you to like me. I don't need you to love me. I don't need you to accept me. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. And I'm accepted in Christ. I know who really, whose opinion matters. And it's not E.F. Hutton. Some of y'all don't have a clue what that's about. Anyway, the reality is this. I've been loved. I've been forgiven. And I've been accepted by the only one who makes a difference. Because I will not stand before you in judgment. I will stand before him. So that's the one that matters. Now watch this. And Jesus begins his ministry in the power of the Holy Ghost. You have no ministry separated from the Holy Ghost. We all need the Holy Spirit flowing through us because all of the gifts come from the Holy Spirit. All of the fruit comes from the Holy Spirit. You cannot be married without the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, you can go through the wedding. You can go through the paperwork. You can live in the same house. But you won't have a successful marriage unless you have all of the fruit of the Spirit and all of the gifts of the Spirit to operate in that marriage. You can't pastor without it. Amen? You need it. You, you, just, you need to get so desperate for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life 
that you begin to realize, you know what, my first priority in the morning is to let the Holy Spirit fill me. My next priority is to listen to him. My third priority is to obey him. Somebody shout. Well, it don't matter if y'all do or not, really, don't matter. <laughs> and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and watch this. And there went out the fame of him throughout all of the region round about. And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all. So he comes out of the wilderness. Man, he is full of the power of the Holy Ghost. He's, everybody's impressed with him. He's kind of like shining, glowing a little bit. When I first got saved, people said, Brother Anthony, you're kind of glowing. I said, really? I mean, I didn't see it, but other people could see the effects of the Holy Spirit's presence. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, it's not you no more. It's him. And the glory of God is on you. That's what the Bible teaches. So be filled with the Spirit. And verse 16. And he came, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Remember, he grew up like a little baby, just like, like any baby. Amen. Had a diapers changed. He nursed on his mother's breast. You know, he, he cried. I'm sure he cried. You know, I, I don't know if he had a runny nose, but he cried. He had, I'm sure he cried because he was a baby. And the Bible said, and he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. He who was always obedient learned obedience. Boy, that really bothered me for a long time. How can he who has always been obedient learn obedience? Because the next step of obedience was he had to learn it and to suffer his will so he could be obedient. Your obedience comes from surrendering your will to Jesus. Amen? We all have a free will. You can do what you want to do. Y'all made a decision to come to church this morning. Thank God you made a good decision. Amen? And you can make another decision not to come next week. You can make another decision not to go to the home groups. You can make another decision not to lead the home group. Or you can make a decision to become a home group leader. It's all in your hands through the influence of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came back into a town where he was raised up. And watch this. And went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood as it was his custom. So Jesus, as a child, went to church. Every Saturday, he went to church. Every Saturday, he went to church. Every Saturday, he went to church. Are you faithful? To come to church every time the doors open? That was his custom. You know, going to church, I found it's a habit as much as it is a, a dedication. And the devil's trying to stop people from the habit. Did you notice when they shut the churches down, people quit going to church? Some people never came back. We got people at the church never did come back. They just went home. And they stayed home for a long period of time until they had another habit. That's not y'all. Y'all faithful. Y'all here every time the door is open. Amen. Because y'all want more Jesus, right? And you don't have enough yet. You're still hungering and you're still thirsting after righteousness, right? And all of y'all want to be leaders somewhere in the future. And y'all want to lead people to Christ and you want to cast out devils. You want to do that, right? 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 Right. Right. Check it. You got to start the process somewhere, brother. Just 
Yet shake your head, yeah. And he stood up to read. So Jesus had a custom of going to church on Saturday and reading the word. But they didn't like what he read. And they delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. I'm going to read what it says in Isaiah 61.1. And the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He just came out the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Ghost. He's kind of glowing. He goes back to church in his hometown. Now remember, a prophet's not without honor except in his own town, among his own people, because they watch the little kid grow up. And I said, is, not, is this not Joseph's son? How can this be the Messiah if he's Joseph's son? Well, they didn't know Mary was conceived of the Holy Ghost. See, you don't know everything. And just by what you think is true is not necessarily true. So he goes to his hometown, he stands up and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, anointed me, anointed me to preach. He's anointed to preach. He didn't choose that. God chose that. I didn't choose this. <laughs> if you'd asked me when I was 22 if I would be a preacher, I'd have thought you would slap nuts. I couldn't believe I would even go to church when I was 22, much less be a pastor, much less go to Russia, much less, you know, I mean, come on. All of this was so far out of my natural thinking. So when people know you, and it took me years to, to prove to people that I grew up with that I was different. Amen? I love being around people that I once grew up with, and they talk for about 20 minutes, and they, all of a sudden they quit cursing. I ain't said nothing. I'm just talking to them. But I'm not cursing. So all of a sudden, the kingdom of God in me starts convicting them, the kingdom of darkness. And all of a sudden, they just kind of shut down. Shut down. I was talking to one guy, and he said, oh, by the way, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, hey, man, no problem. You've been cursing in front of God your whole life. Don't stop because of me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop because of me. I'm just a man like you, man. Just go ahead and run your mouth. Tell me what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what speaks. So the Lord, he said, he anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Now listen, only the meek hear the preaching. You come to church every week, but if you're proud and arrogant, you're not going to hear what's being said. But if you're meek, willing to be submitted to God, you'll hear it. He said, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And that word bind up means to wrap with a cloth like it was, your heart has been busted. How many of y'all had a busted heart somewhere in your life? Come on, be honest with, you know, just somebody busted your heart wide open. And you, and you said, I ain't never going to trust nobody again, you know. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give my life to that. I'm not, I'm not going to love fully no more. Well, you're just cheating yourself. trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. But God said he wants to bind up your heart. And I got a little revelation on that. God takes your heart and he puts it back together like 
my finger was totally mutilated by a saw. And uh, they had to kind of piece it together. It's like all kind of pieces. Look, I know it don't look pretty, y'all, but it's gorgeous. I love it. Amen. And it was all chopped up, and the doctors sewed it together. They just bound it up. But it needed blood to flow into it in order for it to heal. So God takes your heart when you get saved, and he binds it up because it's busted. And he puts it all back together, kind of, sort of, and he wraps it with his love. And then he said, if you want me to heal your heart, let my love flow through you. Don't, don't, don't stop your heart from loving. Let me love now. And as his love flows through your heart, it heals it. And it makes it whole again. Amen. Learn to love again. But love with his love. That way, if they reject you, they're just rejecting him. They're not rejecting you. You don't get all broke up no more. I don't get broke up when people don't love me no more. I really don't. I just say. Where's the next person? <laughs> Who's next? Amen. I'm going to love the next one that comes, and the next one that comes, and the next one comes. I'm not going to let you stop me from being healed. I'm not going to let you stop me from being loved and loving. It's important. And then he said he bound up the brokenhearted, and watch this. He proclaimed liberty to the captives. He only said, you're free. He didn't let them out of prison. He just said, you're free. Now, believe me and act free. The night I got born again, God said, I will, dearly, I will give you high so far greater than drugs, you'll never want them again. He opened my prison door. Amen. Amen. Then he said, you're going to preach the gospel. He just told me what to do. And then I realized, you know what, I'm free. So I went back and preached the gospel in the same drug party, and I found out I was free. The door was open. I was out of jail. Hallelujah. Amen. I wasn't bound anymore. Why? Because he opened the door. God's opened your door to your prison. Are you going to walk out, or are you just going to stay there and still be a prisoner? It's up to you. And then he said, in opening the prison to them that were bound, he unlocked the doors so they could come out of their prison. Understand, when the, the bonds fell off of Peter and John, Peter, what, what John, what, what? Who was, who was in the prison? Peter. The bombs fell off, but they didn't get, God didn't walk them out. They had to get up and walk out. Are your bonds been unloosed? In Christ, yes. Are you free? Yes. Do you believe it? You have to. And if you believe it, you're going to walk in it. So get out of your prison. Get out of your metal bondage and walk out of this thing because the doors are open for you to be free. But God won't make you free if you don't want to be free. I went to Angola for years and preached in there and had a guy in there who had a life sentence. And he said to me, he said, I thank God for Angola. I said, man, how long are you in for? He said, life. He said, I got born again in Angola. I went to Bible school in Angola. And I got called to be a pastor in Angola. I thank God for Angola. I'm a pastor inside of this prison, but I'm not in prison. I'm inside the prison, but I'm not a prisoner. Just because you got bars in front of you don't make you a prisoner. Just because there's no bars in front of you don't make you free. 
And he said, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of his vengeance. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? How many of you know he's coming back to judge the world? How many of you know if you're not right with him, you're in trouble? A guy told a story about people in an airplane. They took off, and he comes down the aisle, and he's got parachutes. And he walks up to every person. He says, here, put this parachute on. It's going to make your trip more comfortable. You're going to feel good, feel safe. So they put the parachute on, and they lean him forward. And they can't even put the tray down, you know, like me. I can't put the tray down. <laughs> they lean him forward. And, and after about an hour and 45 minutes, they start saying, man, this guy's lied to me. This ain't making me comfortable. I don't feel safe. Amen. And so they're all taking the parachute off. So the guy comes back. He said, I forgot to tell you one detail. He said, this is a seven-hour flight, and we only got fuel for five and a half hours. Everybody put their parachute back on. You're going to need it. Now, Jesus didn't come to make your life comfortable. He came because he's the only way out. Do you understand? Being a Christian isn't comfortable. You get comforted because you're being tormented. You're being accused. You're being blamed. You're being shamed. But the Holy Ghost will comfort you, but it's not comfortable. But it's the only ship floating. You, you understand? Look, if it's the only one floating, I don't care what kind of quarters I have. I'm on a ship. Too many people are looking for Christianity to be something that they want it to be when Jesus never said it was going to be like that. They rejected him. They hated him. Look, right after this. Watch this. Right after this. And verse 28. And all they that were in the synagogue, when they heard these things that he was reading in Isaiah, they were filled with wrath. That's where he went to church his whole life. And he stands up and he proclaims Isaiah 61.1, and now they're mad at him. Amen. One minute he's a great guy, next minute he's a junkyard dog, next minute they love him, next minute they hate him. Welcome to Christianity. And they rose up to thrust him out of the city and led him onto the brow of the hill where the city was built that they might cast him down headlong. Now remember, the devil told him to throw himself down. He would not. And they wanted to throw him down but could not. I want to make that point. They could not. They wanted to but they couldn't. The devil tried to get him to do it but he wouldn't. Why? Because he knew the will of the Father for his life. And he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now let me tell you, when a, when a mob grabs hold of you, you're not escaping. You're not escaping. My wife got caught in a mob in Mardi Gras when she was a teenage girl, and they just, they just moving, this crowd was moving, and took her, and she couldn't get out. You understand what I'm saying? When you got 35, 40 people wanting to kill you, very seldom are you going to escape. But they couldn't kill Jesus because it wasn't his time. The devil can't kill you before your time. Don't be afraid of the devil. He can't do it unless you cooperate with him and give him your free will. Luke chapter 4, verse 32. 
And they were astonished at his doctrine. What was his doctrine? For his words were with power. An anointed man of God has power when he speaks. He's not manby-pambying. He's not trying to convince you. He speaks. And the power of the anointing is what convicts people. I can't convict anybody. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts you. And so the Holy Spirit was in Jesus and he spoke with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What do we have to do with you, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Now the devil saw him grow up in Nazareth just like the religious people did. But the devil knew who he was. And the religious people did not. Isn't that amazing? The religious people don't know Jesus. But the devil knows him. The devil knows him. And the devil knows you. And he's going to do everything in his power to get you to cooperate with him. And he said, I know you, who you are, the Holy One of God. <laughs> I'm always amazed. When Jesus spoke to the sick, the demon-possessed, they listened. When he spoke to the fish, he listened and went and got the gold. When he spoke to the wind, the wind listened and calmed down. When he spoke to the waves, the waves ceased. It's amazing God can speak to everything in creation and it knows who he is. But he speaks to spirit-filled Christians and they ignore him. I hope you're not one of them. But he said, my sheep do know my voice. And another they will not follow. So I think it's time for the church to get so in the presence of God that it hears his voice. Because I believe right now is a time in the history of the world that you better know his voice. Because he's going to tell you to do this and do that, and that will be the thing that causes you to be safe in a time of trouble. Troubles are coming, folks. Don't think it's not. Trouble's already here. Don't think it's not. And God's looking for a spirit-filled, spirit-led church that will walk through the temptations and the trials of the enemy and come out victorious, come out with great power, come out with great authority. Those trials will not destroy you. They will make you into the person you're supposed to be. You will find out what you really love and who you really love and what you really care about and what your real value system is through the testing. The testing is not evil. It's good. Blessed are those who go through the fiery trials, the diverse manifold trials of your faith, for they are more precious than pure gold. See, we look at trials and think they're trouble. God looks at trials and said, no, they're perfection. They're, they're very wealthy. They're very prosperous. They're very important. And so God allows our faith to be tested. Amen? Our faith has to be tested to be proven. Faith without works is dead, being alone. Don't tell me you believe, but then go through a trial. Don't tell me you love God, but when somebody hates you, you hate them back. See, the real test of love is when they hate you. Can you still love them suckers? 
Are y'all hearing me? Can you really love them when they hate you? And then this is the one that gave me. Verse 41, I'm skipped down. And devils also came out of many, crying out, saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them and suffered them not to speak, for they knew he was Christ. Now the demons know he's Christ. Do we know he's Christ? That means the anointed one. Do we know that he is King of kings, Lord of lords? Do we know that all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him? Do we know that all principalities and powers and dominions have to bow their knee before the King of kings? Do we know that? The demons know it, but does the church know it? So when the powers come against you, you got to know that he is the Christ. You got to know there's no other way. There's one way, one truth, one life. And if you give up on that, then you have no hope. Because without him, we have no hope. We were without hope and without God in the world until Jesus came to us. So put all your faith in him. Put all of your trust in him. Put all of your confidence in him. But don't trust your flesh. For he who is in the flesh cannot please God. And then listen to this. Luke 42, 4. 442. And when it was day, he departed and went into the desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him, that they should not depart from them, that he should not depart from them. The people begged him, don't leave. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Stay here. We, we need you. And listen what he says. Now, he loved the people. He loved them enough to die for them, right? You don't love nobody that much. You don't love your kids that much. You don't love your grandkids that much. Oh, I will die? No, you won't. No, you won't. When they get irritable, you don't die. You, you, you do something. Well, Brother Anthony, I love my kids and I'll die for them. Well, we'll see. We'll see. There'll come a place in your life, believe me, you will have to lay your life down to keep loving them. And then we'll see. And then he says unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God. Do you notice he didn't say preach church, preach Christianity, you know, preach the tabernacle, preach the, the white dove fellow. He didn't say that. He said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. I preached it here. I got to go preach somewhere else. For therefore I am sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. I must preach the kingdom of God. I'm not going to preach to you the comfort of Christianity like some people preach. I'm not going to preach to you greasy grace, sloppy agape. I'm not going to preach that to you. I'm going to preach what Jesus said. They're going to hate you. They're going to reject you. They're going to put you in prison. And they're going to kill you. And those of your household will be your enemies. Now, follow me. <laughs> They're going to hate you. They're going to beat you. They're going to put you in prison. And they're going to kill you. And those of your own house will betray you and turn you into them. Follow me. Unless you hate your mother, your father, your children, lands, uncles, and for my sake and the kingdom. 
you cannot be my disciple. That's the gospel of the kingdom. It's all or nothing, church. All or nothing. He's either king of all or he's not king at all. Either he rules or you rule. And you can't save yourself. You're in a sinking boat. Your boat will not get you to eternity. Only him. He is the ark. Like Noah's ark. He's the only safe place. So I want to really encourage you. Read the Bible. Don't look for the good parts. Look for the parts that make your flesh cringe. And when that happens, crucify your flesh. Deny yourself. Isn't that what it says? Take up your cross. The cross is the place to die. And follow Jesus. I want to encourage you that there is hope in Christ alone. So right now, if you're here and you've never made that decision, well, you might have got saved. I'm asking you, have you made the decision to follow Jesus at all costs? Whether they in your family reject you, despise you, hate you, turn you in. When I was in Russia, one of the things in Russia with communism was that if you wanted to be a good communist, you had to betray your own family. And the people you betrayed, the closer they were to you, the greater your, your height in communism. It's coming to an address near you. People.